All right, guys, Aaron here from Audit Performance, bringing you episode seven of Coach's Q&A today. I have Nick Alms from Nick Alms Performance here. Do you want to give everyone a bit of an intro about yourself, Nick? Thanks for having me on, Aaron. So, um, yeah, my name's Nick Alms. So I'm 21 years old and um, I live on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia. So I operate my business, Nick Alms Performance, out of a, a gym called O2 Performance on the coast here. Um, and so... It's a, uh, it is a commercial gym. It's just, you know, you know, everyone can go to it, but it has pretty impressive facilities. So it's got a little bit more of that athletic side. So I'm fortunate enough to be sort of able to run completely almost an athletic development based business um, out of that public gym there. Um, so, and I, and I play football myself for the, the local side, the Sunshine Coast Falcons in the under 20s one, under 21. So that's, you know, rugby league. Um, so that takes up a fair bit of my time as well. But uh, yeah. From a lot of the social stuff you put up and like videos at your gym, I would not have even guessed it was like a gen pop gym. I would have guessed it yeah. was more of an athletic, like specialized gym. So that shows how equipped it is there. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty impressive. And um, I'm very grateful that that was sort of my uh, my first coaching gig. I started there when it opened in um, 2019, sort of halfway through 2019. And that, that was my first, first PT coaching gig. So I'm very, very fortunate in that respect that, that's all I've really been exposed to. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Opportunity meets skill set. That's what you want. Exactly. Yeah. Touching back on the rugby yeah. league, how obviously much bigger sport sort of as you go up more north, sort of through New South Wales and Queensland. What mm-hmm. what got you into that initially? Um, it's just sort of running the family, you know. Dad and my brothers sort of have always played, and I think I started playing when I was about five. Um, yeah. so just played all the way up and and that sort of, you know where my passion lies and, and I've played, you know, a few other sports growing up, you know, did swimming, I did cricket, I did, you know, a little bit of athletics thing and touch things like that. But sort of as you, as you get older, you've sort of got to specialize in the one sport as the training load increases. So sort of going with rugby league and yeah, enjoy it there. It's um, fortunate enough that the, our, our training facilities are across the road from the gym. So it, it works nicely that I can just finish work and duck over. Um, obviously, you know, PT hours very busy in the afternoons, you know, into the late in into the early evening. So it's sort of a little bit of a clash there, but I'm fortunate enough that it's just straight across the road, so I can duck straight over. Hundred percent. The sort of thing. The more you experience as well, the more you sort of are able to balance to make it work as well. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. With, with a lot of the stuff you put up on socials, you have a very big component of sort of junior training and a lot of junior yeah. athletes and exposing them to a whole host of variety of movements and really building sort of sound fundamentals. But you also work with some semi elite and sort of higher level like senior athletes as well. Mm. What are the main differences you feel in terms of pros and cons of training junior versus senior, whether that be from your perspective of coaching them or from their perspective mm. of being a client? Yeah, it's really a good question. I think um, I've sort of, when I, when I started out, I was a little bit, you know, sort of raw to, to training quite young kids and it was, it was a bit of a, you know, a shock to the system. But as I've gone on, I've sort of started to simplify my approach a little bit and just sort of taking a step back and realising that I just need to equip these kids with as, as broad of a skill set as possible so that when they progress, you know, whether they go into semi-professional, professional sporting teams and they go into a setting where, you know, the weight room might have 30 guys in at once, you know, all doing their programs. I want to make sure that these, ki- these kids have that foundation, have that skill set that they can roll in and, you know, they don't need that one-on-one supervision and they're going to be fine. So all 
your body weight strength, making sure they can lunge, they can hinge properly, they can squat. So just sort of building that that uh, tool set to make it as, as broad as possible. And so then they can go on and specialize when they're a little bit older. Um, you know, obviously the younger kids, there's some of the, I train, you know, some seven, eight-year-olds, that's sort of the youngest I train. And obviously that's, you know, I don't really advertise that as athletic development in a sense. It's more just about fundamentals. Hey, let's do a heap of crawling. Let's do a heap of climbing. We do parkour, we do hopping, we do rolling, all different things like that. So getting that foundation. And then once they sort of hit 11, 12, 13, um, it varies a little bit on people because everyone develops at a different stage. You know, some 11-year-olds are going to be a little bit more ready for, you know, quote unquote, resistance training or strength training from there or you know someone at 13 might still be really raw to all that so then they sort of transition into that more a little bit more structured setting um and a little bit more what you call typical snc but yeah that's sort of how how i structure it there yeah 100 percent. i think it's quite interesting like focusing more on their competency with the movement skills rather than just the training age or their actual like biological age of like, all right, I want to see you be able to do this, this, and this before we actually mm. progress you on for anything there. And like touching back on the fact that for the, say the seven and eight year olds, like obviously it's not advertised as athletic development or anything like that, but more just basically movement skills. Like yeah. I remember yeah. when I was oh, I probably was about three to four and my parents before they got me into any sport had me doing essentially like gymnastics like yeah i think it was called like jungle gym or something like that to to the effect of just can you walk along a beam while balancing how well can you roll how well can you support your body weight in these Mm. random different positions and things like that and i feel that it's a very underrated way to develop the just the general movement skills to be able to then later on specialize in whatever sport but having that good sort of foundation there and it sounds Pretty much that is what you are offering for a lot of those younger kids. And I think that's an awesome exposure to movement. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, in today's day and age, um, you know, the big backyards are becoming more and more scarce, you know, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the city type environment. So a lot of these kids, um, and even I remember back to when I was a kid, you know, we'd just be roaming out, you know, into the into the early evening, climbing trees, just doing all things like that. But, you know, kids don't really have as many kids don't have the opportunity to do that these days. So I think there's a bit of a missing, missing gap there in their development that they don't have all these chances to climb, to crawl, to roll around, to, you know, fall down off trees and, and, you know, learn how to land in different positions, you know, in not perfect positions, you know, what just happens naturally. So that's why I think it's, you know, quite important that we have those environments where we can bring kids in, they can fail, they can make mistakes. By no means is, do the sessions look perfect and, I'm okay with that, but I sort of just saw, sort of see myself as more of a facilitator Mm. as less of a, you know, instructing coach in those environments and more of just a facilitator and say, here's the environment um, and play with that. And I also give them a lot of autonomy over the sessions. I say, okay, guys, what are we going to add to this? What do you want to do next? You know, how do you think this would change it? Get them thinking and get them sort of building their own environments as well. I think that really adds to probably the creativity that they get to express there and like not Mm. feel as sort of constrained where you give them the rough sort of environment that they're obviously partaking in and then they can choose how they go about exploring it. Like if you're like, all right, we're going to, we're going to do some roles here. You can sort of pop out of it however you want, but you have to get past this cone and you give them that freedom of choice of how they want to self-organize within that. 
but yeah. maybe you say, all right, you have to do something different every time where then they have to yeah. actually start thinking beyond just, uh, oh, I'm getting from A to B and they can mentally shut off there. If say you're doing a shuttle run or something like that in a normal coaching mm. session, there's no creativity there. There's no mm. real mental focus needed. It's just from yeah. A to B. It's very linear. Whereas a lot of the stuff you're doing, is a lot more of an open environment there, which I think is yeah. awesome, yeah. especially... Yeah, keep going. Keep going. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think I think it's really important that you you know you don't make it too structured and too sort of just going through the motions with kids at that age because you know what happens when they get to to fifteen or sixteen and they've just completely lost all interest in training because you know they they've been doing effects amount of years and it's just been the same repetitive thing and then they sort of get to fifteen they're like I don't really want to do this anymore and we should be having that mindset of long-term let's create really positive relationships with physical, you know, activity with, with the gym, you know, with the gym environment and just with moving your body. And then, you know, forget sport for a second. Let's just hope that they become, you know, healthier, fitter, fitter people in the future. So, yeah, well-rounded human. Yeah. Well-rounded humans. Absolutely. And then they can pass that on to their kids and it's just a cycle from there. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Touching back on that sort of that burnout point of like, say they've, they've been pushed really hard from something like eight to 15 and then they have a mm. disdain for whatever they're doing. I think that's quite mm. prevalent in a sport or any sport really where maybe the, their dad played and then becomes their coach. Mm. And then he's trying to almost yeah. live vicariously through their kid there. And yeah. they get them doing trainings that are not so much focused on fun, more focused on performance at too young an age where they probably Maybe you don't have the mental skills to be able to actually handle that and develop alongside it. And obviously yep. there's going to be outliers that love that and that's what they want to do when they're so driven, but the majority aren't like that. And then the majority mm. will probably end up with some sort of burnout. So keeping it fun is probably like the biggest underscored point there of all of that, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, from that, you oftentimes have to have some sort of difficult conversations with, with parents that, you know, their child might be you know, 12 or 13 and, and in their mind they you know, they might see some of their peers doing starting to get into to weight training and that. And their parents are like, you know, it's time to, to get them in the gym and lifting a lot of weights, but you know, they can barely string together a few push-ups. And it's like, you know, having that conversation with, they might actually benefit from doing all this body weight. It's more free play first because they've sort of missed out on that foundation. Once we get that, then they can transition in, but it's, it is difficult finding that, you know, finding that balance, keeping the parents happy, you know, telling them what they sort of want to hear. But oftentimes you have to say, look, your kid's quite not, you know, it's not quite ready for that, that stage yet, but let's spend a bit of time here and then we'll get to there. But yeah, that's just sort of goes part and part with running a business. And it's that fine line of, yeah. 100%. You got to, they got to have faith to trust the process essentially. Mm, mm, absolutely. Yeah. Touching back on the rugby now, I, I think it's quite an interesting sport. I haven't personally coached any rugby players, but something that I see in a sport like that is the obviously much higher contact demand than something like, like lacrosse. Like I play AFL, basketball, yeah. uh, soccer, all of the above. How, how does that affect your methodology of obviously preparing your athletes to be fast, to be strong, to be powerful, but to handle that contact repeatedly? Mm, so I think, yeah, when, when you look at, you know, sports like rugby league and that, um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of collisions in the game, as you just mentioned. And I think some of the most commonly area, uh, injured areas are shoulders, wrists, you know, areas of the body that are taking a lot of hits. So obviously the trunk is where it all starts, I think. And, and you know, coll collision sport athletes need to have that really strong base. So 
as you know, the athletes get a bit older, we start to use things like zercha variations. So just reinforcing that strong trunk positioning while while the limbs are moving through space. But I think things like um, ground-based movement, so that's probably been a really growing area. Um, there's been a few really good coaches that have been sort of speaking more on that ground-based prep work. So it's all your different bear crawl variations and there's a ton of different, um, you know, partner games in that you can play. Um, and I think what's what's really good about that is one, it, it you reinforces that strong trunk positioning, but it also gives you gives you a chance to get a lot of um, impacts through your wrists, your elbows, and your shoulders. So there's lots of repetitions there, and obviously we're strengthening you know the connective tissue, the ligaments, the tendons through that. Um, and it's a way just to get really high volume of sort of mini collisions through those hands as you're moving around, and hopefully that you know will create more robustness when they step on the field. 100%. Yeah, really laying that foundation of sort of low intensity or generally low impact to then be able to obviously have the foundation to handle that higher stress, Mm. high fast force collisions as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on from that now, rehab and performance from the same spectrum. I feel that that's a very strong message from a lot of your content that you put out. How Mm -hmm. do you focus on building true resiliency into a person? Yeah, I think when I sort of started to, you know, dive down a bit of the robustness rabbit hole, I probably fell into the trap of thinking that we can get to a point where we just about prevent, you know, 99% of injuries through training. And I think, you know, I've I've broken my wrist, you know, by palming someone in the last year, I broke my hand as well, you know, you know, in a tackle and, and especially collision sports is there's just so much going on and, and you can't account for everything and injuries are going to happen. But I think one way to look at it is, well, how fast can you bounce back from those injuries and say something that for an untrained person might become quite a severe injury. Maybe you're able to recover in the space of a few days or a week or two. Um, instance like, you know, rolling your ankle, that's a really common one. For someone who's untrained, you know, that might, they might do a grade three of, you know, a ligament in their ankle and they might be out for, for two to three months. Whereas, you know, if you've trained through those ranges, maybe it's just a couple of days and you're out to play on the weekend or maybe it's a week. Um, and so how I sort of go about it is just trying to tick as many boxes as we possibly can along the spectrum. So when we take a step back and look at it, what are the, what are the big glaring kinks in your armour? Where are we sort of missing? Where are you weak? You know, what ranges can't you get into? And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's a little bit of a weakness there. So you're 100% going to injure that, that area. And, and even if we sort of address it in your training, again, it doesn't mean that it's completely bulletproof and it's, we have, you know, forget about it. But it's just sort of taking that step back and, okay, let's try and cover as many bases as we can, create, create as, as well-rounded of a person, as, as an athlete as we can, and we'll go from there. So I think specificity, especially sort of sports specificity, gets, I think, used a little bit too much and sort of overstated a little bit. And sure, there are things that we can do that are specific to the sport and target specific qualities. Um, But I think if we can create just a more well-rounded athlete who's stronger, can get into more positions, um, you know, they have a less chance of getting injured on the field regardless of their sport. Yeah, 100%. Like taking that low-hanging fruit, like if you've got obviously very fragile, brittle wrists, but you've got tremendous power output, I'm yeah. sure that you'd see the wrist being the one that you'd want to improve Absolutely. in terms of the, the weakest link there. Yeah. 
And that yeah. basically just comes back to ticking all those boxes, assessing the sport and the person and sort of where are your weaknesses, where mm. are the weaknesses this sport normally exposes and seeing what sort of intersects there. Yeah. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Awesome. As a relatively young coach being 21 in the sports performance sort of world, how did you find initially sort of, how did you go about initially finding your feet and what sort of advice would you give to someone maybe looking to get into the performance training space or maybe going through uni at the moment and sort of umming and ahhing about whether they want to start coaching? What, what would your advice mm. to them be? Yeah, well, I think, yeah, so I'm sort of, I'm in my final year of the sport and exercise science degree. Um, so I'll finish that up at the end of this year. But I think, you know, for anyone who's looking at studying or has started studying in the exercise science field, um, you need to get a, go get a job as a, a PT or, or, you know, work in some capacity with a strength conditioning coach at a team. You just need to get, you know, that experience on the board and sort of start to see how it works because, you know, it's unfortunate, but the degree on its own doesn't prepare you for, for what it's going to be like when you graduate. So I think, you know, when you come into it, sort of just try and take every opportunity that you can and get as busy as you can. It's, it's certainly tough starting out. You know, when I started out my business, it was, it was very tough at the start, you know, you're just coming in with nothing um, and, and sort of building from there. But I was fortunate enough to um, have a really good, good mentor and, and mate um, in Geordie Taylor. He, he runs perspective training. I'm sure some of the guys watching this would be familiar with Geordie. So he's actually moved down to Athletes Authority now, but he was sort of there for the first two years up at O2. Um, and, and finding someone, you know, who can be that friend, that mentor and help guide you through the process um, is, is really critical. And I think you don't want to fall into the trap of, of just absolutely, you know, bowing down to your mentors and, and thinking everything they do is perfect, but they actually an opportunity to go, okay, seeing what they do maybe i'd do things a little bit different but they can sort of and you can talk through that with them and you both sort of learn from each other and build from there but yeah the biggest thing i think is just sort of take every opportunity that comes as you as you progress further in your coaching career then you can become a little bit more selective with what you do um but yeah just try and take as many opportunities as you can and just be prepared to make mistakes it's just it's just part and parcel with it. You know, you're going to make a lot of mistakes early, but reflect on that, self-analyze and sort of go, okay, how would I do that differently in the future? And then, you know, you'll learn from it in that way. 100%. Yeah, it's the sort of thing where like, as a young coach, you have basically no experience. Just getting runs yeah. on the board to then have yeah. that experience through coaching, through life, through running a business is invaluable. Yeah. Whether it be successful or unsuccessful, you're going to have more mm. information to be able to like derive your answers from and the like. Yeah. yeah, and I would add too, I think um, getting in the gym yourself and, uh, you know, really ripping in and doing a lot of training yourself is, is critical. I think, you know, textbooks you can learn a little bit from and, and, and listening to other people talk about exercise and, and strength conditioning is, is good, but I, I think nothing really beats doing it yourself and, and seeing how certain moves feel and, and going, well, that didn't really work. How would I change that? And I think that's helped me sort of, you know, I've been training since I was about 10 sort of thing. So I've sort of built up plenty of years of, of working in the gym. And I think it's helped me, you know, understand, okay, what little variations could I include? And that, and that might be on the run to help a client. So something's, you know, breaking down a little bit. And I sort of pull back from that memory bank of, all right, let's tweak this just subtly. All right. And then all of a sudden we get the change we wanted. And I think, you know, your degree in that will help you, but, 
until you're in there ripping in yourself, experimenting with your own training, you don't fully appreciate just the sort of nuances of exercises and how you can manipulate them in certain ways to, to get the response you'd like. I couldn't agree more. And even on the yeah. sort of the client side, like if you can, if you talk the talk, that's one thing, but if you show yeah. your clients that you can walk the walk as well, like their buy-in is going to be so much greater. Like mm. if you give them an exercise and they ask you to demo it and you have no other chance in how no demoing it, like they're probably not going to be as, as committed as going to have as much buy-in to that movement as well. Absolutely. So it definitely yeah. tails into that too. Mm. The past sort of 16 to 18 months have been rough for everyone, I'm sure, in terms of COVID and mm. the like. Being a young person still at uni, trying to run a business on top, trying to balance his own sport as well. What are the biggest challenges and the ways you've adapted over that sort of time frame? And how have you come out better the other side? Assuming you've come out better the other side. <laughs> mm. Yeah, obviously, yeah. It, it has been a challenging time. We've been pretty fortunate up this way. I must admit it's, um, it's had its challenges, but um, we're doing pretty well, I think, compared to the rest of Australia and the world. Um, but I think, you know, when, when we sort of went into one of the bigger lockdowns last year that went for about three months and the, and the gyms were closed, it was sort of, you know, a lot of panic at the start. It was, it was new to everyone, but sort of just took that step back and, okay, well, this is reality. What are we going to do about it? Because, you know, I really could have sat there and I could have just, um, you know, got the government got, got the gov- government grants and just sat back and I would have just lost all momentum, momentum with my coaching business. And when, and once the gym resumed, maybe, you know, I'd lost, you know, three quarters of my business potentially. So I sort of said, all right, what are we going to do? So I started doing a lot of field sessions. I did some Zoom sessions as well. Um, for, we were fortunate enough back then we, we were able to do some group sessions. So that worked really well with, you know, all the kids, I was able to get them in doing group sessions. Um, and I actually found that because like organized sport was all canceled for that, for that time period that, you know, parents were finding their kids were going pretty stir crazy. So I was like, I was actually able to sort of grow my business mm. over COVID, which was, which was quite nice. Um, and you know, it, it had, a, it had a tough period. So, you know, you're getting all the equipment out of the car, setting it up, putting it back in the car every, you know, twice a day. It was, it, you know, it got pretty repetitive and it wasn't something I was used to, but it was just, you know, necessary and, and it had its moments. But yeah, I think just realizing that this was a situation, you're going to have to work hard and sort of keep that momentum going. Cause I think, you know, running your business is momentum is massive um, and, and capitalizing on moments where you, you feel that there's a real sense of opportunity to, to capitalize. You, you've got to take those moments. I couldn't agree more. I, you basically echoed my own thoughts super well there. Like you basically adapt. That's kind of the, the bottom yeah. line there. Making the most of the situation, trying to come out better the other side, even if it requires, I guess, as you were saying, a bit of a pivot where you're now having to take all the gear out, you're having to meet people with mm. spots, but there is still an opportunity there. And the yeah. people that were lazy that may have been sitting back getting those grants or just sort of getting like Centrelink money and the like, didn't didn't capitalize on that and then okay so maybe they come out with the same sort of finance as you on the other side but you've got all this new business you've got all these new systems in place and even just the experience of like now you know that if say you were to leave a gym you've got a viable method and a viable business of being able to go in places and do group sessions and the like i think that's awesome yeah and clients don't don't really forget that they they appreciate they can see especially parents uh, Mm. if you're working with kids parents can see you know, that you're going that extra mile to ensure that their kids still have that, that environment to train in. And then they appreciate it. And then, you know, 
down the line that might mean another referral or that or that person sticks around for a lot longer. So you know yeah, you can't underestimate you know the small efforts they actually go a long way and, and people really appreciate that in the people business. Yeah, I was gonna I basically touch on that same point of yeah, it's it's not even a, a training thing at that point. It's like you're willing yeah. to be there through the hard times for them and yeah. showing them that their their kids have a good role model that oh okay the times are tough like he's still working he's still knuckling down and getting yeah. through it as best he can. And yeah, that's yeah. invaluable as a as a perspective for them to see a, a young adult going through a tough time, but still mm. persevering. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. Touch. So segueing on from that, as you've obviously done a lot more sessions outdoors from sort of in the gym space previously, what in terms of your methodology, ideology has trained in approaching like training with your athletes and even yourself, I guess, without access to a gym for sections there? Mm. Well, I think, yeah, it just sort of reinforced that, you know, maybe we could do a little bit less weight training. Um, we don't actually need as much weight training. There's, there's a lot we can do with our body weight, different partner drills with medicine balls, different little implements like that. There's so much we can actually do um, when we're away from the gym. So it's sort of, you know, made me a little bit more resourceful, I think, you know, when we step back into the gym and sort of going, you know, these, these kids, they really don't need weights yet. Like we can, we can squeeze as much out of them as we can before you need to reach for that dumbbell or that barbell. Um, and it's just sort of, yeah, how many different jump, you know, plyometric drills can we use? You know, what different bear crawl games can we use? And, and just being really creative with it and sort of, you know, I'd just go down to the park and we had not too much equipment, but it just forced me to really adapt on the run and be, and make little adjustments and, and I think it's made me a much more creative coach in the end so yeah I couldn't agree more as well in the exact same boat as you there like being able to develop your coaching through okay so my heaviest piece of gear has gone from a 300 plus kilo trap bar to I have a 15 yeah. to 20 kilo sort of dumbbell or kettlebell here okay yeah. I'm gonna have to change your position up substantially to make this challenging enough for you and I'm sure that you've come out with this whole much a much larger toolbox on the other side with all these different variations of things that now in a pinch work amazingly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, one last question here to wrap up. You can give yourself one piece of advice five years ago. What would you give it? What would you say? Um, I think I touched on it before, but I think it sort of comes back to just taking every opportunity that comes your way. Um, I think, yeah, like, is that whole the whole saying that um, sort of what is it when luck is when preparation meets opportunity? And I think it couldn't be more true. I think um, sort of doors doors open for you when you know you put your best foot forward and you're willing to work hard, and you never know what opportunities are around the corner. Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to I've done S and C for for cricket sides here. I'm currently working with um, a swim club, so just all these different opportunities that are popping up and, and you find that you actually create a lot of connections through that. And then you don't know where the next door opens up. So if you're just willing to work hard, put your hand up, you know, you might have to do a fair bit of unpaid work. It, that's the reality of this, um, this industry. That's sort of how I got my first coaching gig was I was did a bit of like a few months unpaid work with the, the guy who went on to open O2 performance at his old gym. So, you know, did a few few months with him, just unpaid. And then he said to me, look, I've got this idea for this big gym. I want you to come across and be one of the trainers. So you, you never know what's around the corner, but 
if you're just sitting back and, and not taking these opportunities, you know, nothing's going to appear in front of you. And, and people might look at it and go, oh, you know, you just got lucky with, with O2 opening, you know, you had a really good start. But unless you're putting that foot forward and in that position, you won't see those doors open up. So just take everything with two hands and, and go with it. You got to be ready when the opportunity comes there. Yeah. That's the sort of thing, yeah. like looking back, despite being unpaid, I'm sure you regret absolutely none of those experiences yeah. and they've all been invaluable absolutely. to make you the coach you are today. Mm. Yeah, spot on. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on, Nick. It's been a pleasure. I'm sure everyone has taken a few great points from you and your thoughts. Plug yourself, socials, anything you're currently working on. Let people know where they can um, find you. Yeah, so Instagram's Nick Allen's Performance. Um, that's sort of where I share all my content. Um, try and be as, as active as I can on there. And um, hopefully, yeah, if you check it out, you, you find some valuable points from there. And I'd love to connect with a few other coaches on there. So Too easy. Well, me on give them a follow, guys. Puts out great informative content for a whole range of ages as well. Thanks yeah. for coming on. Awesome. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers.